It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, February 16th, 2021. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. Many of the emergency powers that the state was using to respond to the COVID-19 pandemic expired along with the governor's disaster declaration early Sunday morning. But it's not yet clear what impacts that will have on everything from vaccine distribution to curbside pickup and delivery of alcohol. Governor Mike Dunleavy and members of administration gathered Sunday to lay out some of the changes. Some things like travel testing are clear. Alaska residents and non-residents traveling to the state are no longer required by the state to get pre-travel COVID-19 tests or to test upon arrival. The state advises that travelers do it, and it will still be an option to test at the airport through the end of June. But that doesn't mean that people can travel throughout the state freely without being tested. Some cities like Juneau are still requiring it. The administration laid out a COVID-19 transition plan, which Dunleavy characterized as moving Alaska towards normalcy. But there are a lot of other parts of the state's COVID-19 response that are going to be impacted by the lapsed disaster declaration. Some 200 regulations that had been suspended will be going back into effect. That will impact everything from curbside pickup of alcohol to telemedicine. Commissioners will review those policies over the next several weeks. Dunleavy says they'll advise him on what needs to stay in place and what he should allow to lapse. One other thing that isn't clear is how the state will continue allocating vaccines. Director of Public Health Heidi Hedberg said the state's disaster declaration and the plan it submitted to the federal government gave it the legal authority that it needs to distribute vaccines into communities. It's still unclear how the state will continue to legally distribute vaccines into the community. Hedberg also said the state's response to community requests may be slower. Sitka illustrator Michaela Goad received national attention in December for her Google Doodle of Alaska Native leader Elizabeth Paradovich, whose legacy is honored annually on this day, February 16th. Goad made headlines again last month as the first Indigenous person to win the Caldecott Medal, one of the highest honors in children's literature. KCAW's Erin McKinstry interviewed Goad about her work illustrating We Are Water Protectors and what inspires her as a Tlingit artist. Your illustrations are just so bright and colorful and... I don't know, captivating. It's hard to find all the right words, but I just wonder where where do you get inspiration for your art from? Um, from growing up here, really. Um, you know, it, I, I get a lot of ideas when I'm out on walks or just out on the water. I take a lot of photos. Um, I make a lot of notes to myself on my phone, just interesting things that are happening that I see around me. Other than that, you know, a culture and culture is a huge inspiration. And I started on this picture book journey back with um, working with Sea Alaska Heritage Institute in 2016 or 2017. And they were getting started on their Baby Raven Reads program. Before those projects, I'd never really picked up watercolors much or never illustrated. Uh, in picture books are their own unique art form. So we were all figuring it out together. And when I didn't know what I was doing, essentially, the fact that these stories were rooted in culture and in place and were something I felt on a really deep level that really uh, helped me through that process. And I think it's just naturally carried over. Um, and now I'm working with indigenous authors from different parts of, uh, you know, Canada and, and U.S. here and having the core of similar core themes across the board. Sure. Um, what made you want to work on We Are Water Protectors specifically, this this book that you won the Caldecott for? Well, I think upon first reading Carol's story, I knew that I wanted to work on it. 
just the way she wrote and what she was writing about, you know, as I'm sure we can all relate here, just growing up in Southeast Alaska, um, being Clinket, like people of the tides, water is a way of life here and it is our life here in so many different ways. So that core theme really resonated. Um, and I remember like Carol feeling helpless back in 2016 during the Standing Rock, the gathering, the stand at Standing Rock. And I remember feeling helpless. And at the time I was a bit younger and, and still working up in Anchorage. So it was just, you know, how can, how can I help? I'm not a super vocal person. I shy away oftentimes from those more extroverted things. So it was awesome to have an author write the story. And then activism through art is something that I've really um, learned through this book. Sure. What are some things that you hope that um, parents and their kids take away after reading this book? You know, I hope that people take away the message that we are all connected to each other and to the land and that this fight for uh, protecting our waters and our lands in Mother Earth shouldn't just be on the shoulders of indigenous people as it historically has been. And so just first and foremost, to encourage people to look at their own relationship with the land and water and how might they uh, take some more steps in their life to become more uh, or to become better land stewards and then raise awareness of these really important uh, indigenous led movements that are happening all the time around the world uh, and just realize how they do affect every single one of us. Um, but then also <laughs> to help to help indigenous children feel seen and validated and in adults uh, and to know that their voices and their stories are um, worthy, you know, of everyone lifting them up and, and just to feel valued in that way because that is very important. Representation is so important. Um, and, and for non-native people as well to see these books um, find success and find wide audiences. So that's really, really affirming and really rewarding. Um, so sort of the big national headline is that you're the first Native American to win this award. One thing that I thought was kind of interesting, do you identify as Native American? Do you identify as Indigenous, Alaska Native, Native? I appreciate the question because I don't get that question very often. I just get labeled. <laughs> um, I do I identify as Clinket, and I also identify often as mixed Clinket because it's important to identify that I'm also white. So it can be a little strange to see the first non-white, so you're like, ooh, but that's just a tricky label. You know, um, I, I like to amplify as much as I can and lift up communities as much as I can. Um, so I'm really honored by the recognition and the award and, and the knowledge that I'm helping open doors for more people. And I think it's important to, to look at that and digest it and acknowledge and reflect on being the first of, in, the, in the award's 83 year history. Um, I, think, I think I remember reading, I didn't know this, you know, out of the 83 years, uh, only 21 years has the award gone to a woman. And then I'm the only, um, what the BIPOC, uh, Black Indigenous person of color, uh, to get that award. Oh, female. So 
it's just, it's interesting to look at that and, and reflect on that while also just being excited for the future and, and just know that there've been a lot of big strides in the publishing industry in the last few years and to acknowledge that. And I am really grateful to be sort of entering uh, this industry now, because from what I've been told, it was even a lot different five to 10 years ago. So it's, it's really great timing too. And I think that is worthy of note. Like I, I feel very grateful for that. Faced with the prospect of another canceled cruise season, Ketchikan's borough is projecting a multi-million dollar deficit. But as KRBD's Eric Stone reports, despite the estimated $3.4 million shortfall, officials say the borough won't burn through all of its savings. Ketchikan's borough finance director, Sena Gubatayo, told the borough assembly last month that she was expecting a vastly reduced cruise season to weigh on sales tax revenues. Those are the biggest source of the borough's general fund revenue. Property taxes go towards funding the school district. Now, after Canada announced it would keep its ports closed until next year, Gubatayo is revising those projections further. But she told KRBD Friday that the borough still has money in the bank. So the the borough is fortunate in that we do have strong reserves, and even having to revise our revenue figures downward for the loss of the cruise ship season this year, or potential loss, we still have enough reserves that we do not have to take immediate drastic action. Gubatayo says that doesn't mean they're going ahead as if it's a normal year. She's recommending the borough not start any new capital projects, not hire its seasonal workforce, and continue a freeze on almost all travel. But she and borough manager Ruben Duran say services shouldn't be cut and nobody should lose their jobs. At some point, if the you know the, the cruise industry and if the, the economic decline here goes too deep, uh, I would expect that we'd have a much more severe hiring freeze. And I don't, at this point, the manager and I are not recommending making any kind of fee increases or adding new fees or taxes. Part of the reason for that is that the deficit for fiscal year 2021, which runs from last July through the end of this June, wasn't nearly as big as the local officials initially thought it would be. A projected $3.2 million deficit was revised down to roughly $1 million. Gubatayo says federal pandemic relief filled some of that gap. The smaller-than-expected deficit is projected to leave the borough with an estimated $11.6 million in the bank at the beginning of July. That's more than three times the borough's projected deficit for this coming fiscal year. And more help could be on the way. The finance director says a Biden administration package now pending in Congress could provide as much as $2.7 million in federal relief for Ketchikan's borough. Gubatayo is scheduled to take questions about the impact of a canceled 2021 season on the budget at the Borough Assembly's meeting on Tuesday. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. This is Morning.